this afternoon to our church here uh, for your district service and to the Junior Orange and to ladies as well that has come. We appreciate your presence and we pray the Lord might bless even today. And to the band members as well, we don't forget you and we welcome each one. We're going to take our hymnal, uh, little booklets on your uh, pew there. We're going to sing number two to start off with. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me, who caused his pain for me, who him to death pursued. Let's stand as we sing number two, please.
seated. Let's just unite our heart together, please, in a word of prayer, seeking the Lord's blessing for our district service this afternoon. Our gracious, eternal, loving, heavenly Father, we continue in thy presence in the Savior's precious and all-prevailing name. We thank the Lord there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Lord, we praise thee today for the finished work of Calvary's cross. What old Wesley could sing about. Oh God, we thank the Lord that in obedience to the Father's will, Christ came down from heaven's glory to this scene of time, taking upon himself the form of our nature, yet without sin. That one day he might ascend Golgotha's brow to lay down his life as a sinner's substitute. God, we thank thee today for that once for all sacrifice for sin. We thank the Lord it was acceptable in the Father's sight. We praise thee that when all was accomplished, he cried, it finished, bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. The third day he rose again, triumphant over death, over the grave, over hell itself. We worship one today who's alive, who is glorified, who is seated at the Father's right hand, who lives in the power of an endless life. One who is yet the mighty to save and the strong to deliver. Lord, we pray the very outset of this orange service this afternoon that we might know thy presence. Save us, Lord, from merely going through the motions. Lord, we pray that each man, each child, young person, each woman will be conscious that God is here. We covet thy presence above everything else. We take a moment, Lord, to thank Thee for our civil and religious liberties. We thank the Lord for the freedom we have to meet in a place of worship such as this. We thank the Lord for our glorious Williamite settlement, the Protestant throne of this nation, and, O oh God, all of those liberties that has flowed from it. Lord, we praise Thee today for the deliverances of the past. Thank the Lord for the victories that were obtained even in this land, that we might have that civil and religious liberty. And we pray that we might, Lord, not forget our history, but, Lord, we might rejoice and be thankful for it. We ask for the brethren. We ask, Lord, for every orange hall that's represented here, every lodge, they might know thy presence. They might know thy blessing. We pray, O oh God, that thou might even bless Wednesday again as it would be the remembrance of the victories of, of the past. We can say that our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Help us, Lord, to look to thee Save us, Lord, from merely having a head knowledge. Well, we pray for each one in this meeting house today. They might have the heart experience of the new birth.
Bless, Lord, all that will take part. Bless our sister Kirsten as she comes to sing. Pray that those messages would be a blessing to us. Lord, as we read thy word and as we preach upon it, Lord, we pray that I would take thy word and apply it to every heart. That thy word would run and be glorified. Hear this, our prayer. Cover us neath the precious blood. Be with us. For we ask these mercies in our Savior's precious name. Amen. There is coming a day When no heartache shall come No more clouds in the sky No more tears to dim the eye All is peace forevermore On that happy golden shore What a day, glorious day That will be What a day that will be When my Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land What a day, glorious day That will be There'll be no sorrow there And no more burdens to bear No more sickness, no pain No more parting over there And forever I will be With the one who died for me What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land What a day, glorious day that will be When
Thank our sister for coming along this afternoon and for ministering song and for those pieces that she has brought. May the Lord be pleased to bless into your heart uh, this day. I just want to read some few verses, brethren, from Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, and there are some Bibles in the pew if you want to read on, just beginning from the words of verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, I shall call a nation that thou knowest not. Nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. Uh, just ending there at the end of verse 7, we know the Lord himself will add his own divine blessing upon his infallible word. I do want to emphasize and reiterate our welcome that we gave at the start of the meeting. We welcome the district number 10 uh, to our Marketill Free Presbyterian Church here. We welcome the officers. Uh, we welcome the junior youth, junior orange, and the youth, and also Kilcooney uh, Band. And from other brethren, and maybe are from other districts, we welcome you as well, as well as visitors this afternoon. And we pray the Lord might richly bless you. It's good to see that you get in dry. And the weather forecasters are not always right, uh, where they give uh, hot thunderstorms and so forth. So we're glad that you're here today. I just want to, before I announce the hymn for the offering, I want to give a personal welcome uh, to you to a gospel mission beginning on the 13th of August. You may have seen the banner in the old Gosford Hotel site. And we're commencing a two-week mission there. And a colleague and myself will be ministering in the gospel. We welcome you. And that includes the young people and all concerned to come along. And I looked for you and trust that you'll be able to make it even some of those nights, those nights uh, during that two-week mission. We're going to sing number 21 while the offering is lifted by the brethren for the Lord Enniskillen Memorial Fund. Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Remain seated, at least for the first part of the hymn. Number 21.
Our Father and our God, we thank thee for thy presence already. We thank you, Lord, for the offerings that have been gathered in. And we pray, Lord, that thou might bless it to the fund and to which they will go. And, Lord, we pray that thou would remember us even as we come to the final portion of this service. And, Lord, thou would bless each waiting heart as we come around thy precious word. Do us good, Lord. Accept of our thanks, we pray. We ask it in our Saviour's name. Amen. Twenty-five years ago, today, the Orange Brethren, District Number 1 in Portadown, were prevented from completing their march home from their annual service in Drumcree because of the ruling by the Preets Commission. Twenty-five years on, brethren, that march is still unresolved. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who, when that came to my attention this week, wondered where have those 25 years gone. I was interested listening to the news the other night, the interviewer on the biased broadcasting corporation was pressing Mr. Gibson to say that in hindsight the Portadown Orange men were wrong what they did 25 years ago. And they were wrong not to seek dialogue 25 years ago. And he pressed it, and he pressed it. But ladies and gentlemen, right and liberties ought never to be apologized for. That basic right to walk the highways over land has been given to us from the Bill of Rights, from the Williamite Settlement. Because unlike Popish rule, the Protestant throne and constitution of our nation gives civil and religious liberties to all men. We thank God for the William of Orange when the weather was against them, launching his fleet from Holland, he didn't change his mind to seek to liberate England. We thank God that he landed safely on the 5th of November 1688 in Torbay. And the banner he unfurled was the Protestant religion and the liberties of England I will maintain. We're thankful today that when a regiment of Lord Andrum's troops were seen to approach Derry, as it was known back then, that those 13 apprentice boys didn't change their mind and open the gates. Even though they were pressed upon to do so, including from the Episcopalian bishop of the city of that time, because he said to refuse to open the gates to those troops would be to defy the king. Can I just say, Brian, before we go any further, the Protestants of 1688 were not royalists. They were loyal to the Protestant throne, and there's a difference. We're not called to be royalists. We are called to be loyal. 
You will permit me to have mentioned apprentice boys, even though I'm not preaching to that institution today. Because without the victory of Derry, there wouldn't have been a Boyne and there wouldn't have been an Ockram. We're thankful that when Stromberg left Liverpool and arrived in Bangor, a 75-year-old man. Don't think you have nothing to do, man, just when you get a wee bit older. 75-year-old. He didn't change his mind. But he made his way to Dundalk with his troops. We're thankful that when King William III landed in Carrick on the 11th of June and proceeded to the Boyne, that he didn't turn back when he was wounded. Slightly. Even before the battle began, began in earnest. You see, because right and liberties are not to be apologized for. And liberties in 1690 were not to be repented of. And because of the Boyne, our civil and religious liberties were sealed and cemented and why we can enjoy them to this day. That's what the glorious 12th is all about. Due respect, brethren, it's not about culture. It's not about color. It's not about flags. It's not about festivities. It's not certainly about the drinking. It's about our Protestant faith. And you sit today in a Protestant church. And I don't be ashamed to say that, and I'm a Protestant minister. And you're enabled today to hear of that faith once delivered unto the saints and that ought to be contended for. King William, you see, was motivated by the desire to consolidate Protestantism in Europe. And he used the throne of England as his power base to do that. And he left that legacy when he died in 1702. He said, entering London before the cheering crowds, I am come to secure Protestant religion and to free you from popery. And he depended upon the strength that Almighty God gave him to preserve it, to defend it, and to support it. I tell you, he is a man that was guided by the Word of God. And that's also my business today. As I come to Isaiah chapter 55, you see, the general call of the gospel goes out in verse 1. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. It's like a man standing in the marketplace. And he's longing that you would buy of his wares. And he says, come to the waters. That ye have no money, come ye buy and drink, yea. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. But you see, when we come to the words of verse 7, there is a particular call from God. To change the path that you're on today and to seek Him. Let me read that verse again. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And to him, let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I want you to notice the repentance there. Gospel message which does not teach the sinner the need for repentance is a false message. 
There are those today, like those in Paul's time, who would seek to revert the gospel of Christ. And we must treat them like Paul exhorted in his day. Let them be accursed. What is repentance? To give a biblical summary from a theological dictionary is simply this. Repentance is a change of mind. It is a change of emotion. It is a change of will. And you will see what is prevalent in that answer. There's a change. And there must needs be that change. If the sinner is to know true conversion, is not that what is stated in the words of my text? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. The description of man is clear here for all to see. He's wicked. Man born of Adam's race is sinful. He's a corrupt human being from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He is one who's unrighteous. Without a right standing with God and any righteousness that he does have, they are but filthy rags in God's sight. And that's how God looks upon the soul who is without salvation today. Therefore, it is necessary for the sinner to repent. And this repentance involves a change in his life and conduct. Let the wicked forsake his way. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Man of himself has a natural way he will go. Left to himself, he will always run along that way. And that way is into sin. It is the way to which he has been accustomed ever since he beheld the light of day. It's the way that he loves to be on. Because man loves darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. It's the way upon which he finds his pleasures. Pleasures which are enticing. But pleasures of sin, the scriptures remind us, are only for a short season. Sinful man is on a way today. And dear friend, without Christ in this district service, this is you depicted in these words. If you're not saved, your feet are graphically portrayed to be upon that broad road. That broad road that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in the rat. The crowd at large is upon the broad road. But if you're ever to be saved, if you're ever to be converted to Christ, then there must be the repenting of your ways. There has to be that change. And the text even uses the word forsake. What is repentance? It's forsaking the old ways. It's not enough to own up to the fact that the road you're on is wrong. It's not enough to profess that you're sorry for following in that way, there must be a forsaking of it altogether. A change. But you know, not only does it include one's life and way, but there must be the change in one's thoughts as well. For the verse says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. There are people aplenty who have their opinionated notions as to how they can get into heaven. If I do this, that, and the other, I'll be in heaven. 
If I go to church, if I go on to the collection plate, if I'm baptized, confirmed, whatever, I'll get to heaven. Brother, sisters, that's not what the Bible teaches. I want to tell you straight out. Attendance, Market Hill, Free Presbyterian Church will not get you into heaven. I hope you're not like a man that I met during my ministry who was depending upon the degrees of another institution to get him to heaven. And he was in his 70s. Your degrees will not get you into heaven. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But men have opinionated notions. And they have their ideas about who God is. And it's mostly a very weak view of the thrice holy God. They have thoughts about sin. And usually their view on sin is also far from the teaching of God's word. The scriptures remind us, you see, in Ephesians 2 verse 1, we are dead in trespasses and in sins. And as such a dead person cannot do anything for himself. You and I have looked upon many a corpse, no doubt. That's what we are like in our sin. A corpse cannot commit himself unto anything. The gospel, as it is presented in these words, involves a change. There must be the forsaking of the old ways and the old thoughts. The repentant sinner becomes a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's like a man I was talking to yesterday in Armagh. Two and a half, three and a half years ago, he was on the drink. He was into his most immoral behavior. Today, he's sharing the gospel on the street. And dear men and women, only God can wrought that change. Only God can cause that. True repentance involves not only a knowledge of sin in one's life, but it includes also a sorrow over sin, so much so that there's a repudiation of it. There's a change of perception as to how you look upon sin. For you begin to see that my sin is damning my soul and that is a wicked and filthy thing in the sight of God. It was like that which the psalmist could say when he had sinned against the Lord with Bathsheba. Psalm 51 and the words of verse 4, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Against thee only have I sinned. Tell me, have you forsaken your evil and sinful ways? I know many of you have, but what about the rest? Have you had that change of mind as to your state and condition before the Lord? I simply ask you before God today, has there been that time in your life's experience when you repented before God? For remember this man and woman. And this is not from a free Presbyterian minister. This is from the Savior himself. He said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's what Christ said. So you have repentance in our text. You have also the return. Biblical and saving message of the gospel involves also returning unto the Lord. It says, and let him return unto the Lord. 
That presupposes that man is at a distance from God. It teaches us what the position of the sinner is in relation to God. He's one that is afar off. Because of his sin, there's a great gulf fixed between sinful man and a thrice holy God. Can I illustrate it? I can illustrate it by the prodigal son. I'm sure many from your childhood days remember even that passage been taught to you maybe by a Sunday school teacher. And that prodigal son with his inheritance went out into the far country and he spent all his substance in riotous living. But the money soon became done. And the friends went. And he's far away in that place from the father's house. And it's there that he must come to realize he has to turn around. He has to make his way home to the father's house. You see, that's man's responsibility. We find that great verse, John chapter 6 verse 37. All that the father giveth to me shall come to me. Preacher, who's going to be saved? That's not my business, that's God's business. But listen to the rest of the verse. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's man's responsibility. You must come. It is the responsibility of man to seek the Lord and to turn from his sin. While it is the day of God's grace. The prodigal, if he was ever to know the mercy and compassion of the Father, then he had to come to that place where he would leave the filth and he would leave the mire behind and he had forsake the life that he was living and the thoughts that he was thinking and there had to be that turning which would take him back onto that road, back to the Father's house and oh, into the Father's embrace. That he loved him, he kissed him. He gave him a new robe, he put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. There was a great feast for this my son was lost, but now is found. But I want you to understand that you will never be able to turn to the Lord. And you'll never be able to repent of your sin. When the Spirit of God shows you your state before Him. Unless the Spirit's striving with you. It is the work of God's Spirit as revealed by the Savior to reprove the world of sin. In other words, to convict the sinner of their sin and then to reveal unto them their need of the Savior. Of yourself, dear man or woman, you will never come to Christ. You will never seek to return to the Lord. But you see, it is God's Spirit that reveals to your heart that there's only one Savior from sin. There's only one way of salvation contrary to modern teaching, and that is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this very text is the person of the gospel, the very center and core of the message. It's the Lord Himself. It's the Lord who decreed the plan of salvation. It's the Lord who in obedience came to this earth as God manifest in the flesh. It's the Lord who would die in the sinner's place instead. It was the Lord who is the only mediator between God and man and the one who could only bridge that gap that sin had left between a holy God and a sinful people. It was the Lord and His sacrifice for sin on that cross that made it possible for man to return to his Creator and his God. Bless God because of Christ.
We can say today there's a way that has been opened up from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that has been opened that man, woman, or young person, you may enter in. But it is at Calvary's cross. That's where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus. I wonder, is there one whom the Spirit of God has so wrought upon? One who is convicted of their sinful state and condition and understands that to remain on that same road will be to lead you one day to a Christless eternity in hell. I dare say there are men in your lodge and they have been there. And you know today they're not on that broad road. You know you could go to them today and speak of the things of God because they are saved. They're on that narrow way that leadeth to everlasting life in heaven. But what about you? I wonder is there one who in having the Savior revealed to them will repent of their sin and turn from it and return unto the Lord. Oh, there's been those times you've heard the gospel. You've heard your need of Christ, but you've lingered on in your sin. You've neglected to obey the call of the, of the gospel. I trust this very hour will be the time when you will have done with your sin. You'll return to the Savior to seek and find His mercy and salvation. For you see, that's the very purpose of the Savior in coming to this earth. It was on a rescue mission. It was to rescue men from their sin and darkness. He came to rescue lost sinful mankind. And he came to finish the work that the Father gave him to do to purchase eternal salvation for all who will come. Repentance. Return. You lose a fine little thought as the reception. The one hearing the call of the gospel to return, the one seeking to do so, there's an insurance given even in my text in the very last words. What sort of reception can the deep-dyed sinner expect to receive? Listen to it again. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon the devil comes with the lies that maybe the Lord will turn you away. The devil comes and he whispers into your ear, sir. You are too far gone, boy. The Lord will not take you in. You're too far gone in your sin. You're beyond the peel of redemption. You know the answer to that? Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the books of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he called himself the chiefest of sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And if God could save that rascal, that rebel, that persecutor of the church, and praise God, he can see if someone in this meeting house this afternoon. It was the dying thief on the cross who realized that he was dying justly for his deserts, for his deeds. He was a thief. He was a guilty hell deserving sinner for there ever was one. But on that day, he was to look to the man in the middle cross. 
he realized he was a king. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he was to hear the words from Christ. And uh, having repented of, our, of his sin and accepted by the Lord because the Savior said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized. He couldn't go out and witness. He couldn't go to this place and that church. He was saved there and then. He was on the cross. And if that dying thief was to know God's salvation, be accepted of him and walk with Christ that same day into the glories of the Father's house, then dear unsaved loved one, the Lord is able to save your soul. He's able to have mercy for you. The sinner, when they come, shall find a merciful God, one who is compassionate, one who is pitiful, A God who will not cast you out, but with loving arms will take the repentant sinner in, in unto Christ, into the family of God, into the blessings of heaven, into union with himself and part of his body. The Lord God is merciful and compassionate. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. He's abundant in goodness and truth. What joy the final words bring to the sinner's heart. For not only is there the mercy of God in receiving the sinner, there's also the pardon of God in abundance. The writer summed it up, Who is a pardoning God like thee, and who is grace so rich and so free? Prophet Micah, from where those words come from, He went on to state that the pardon of the Lord, the forgiveness of sin, means not only he forgives, but they are not remembered. For he says, I will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You imagine that? We got a little glimpse just a few weeks back on the news how deep parts of that sea really are. When that submissile was lost. And God takes your sin and he forgives you. He pardons you. And he puts it behind his back. He puts it in the deepest sea. They're out of his sight. My mother used to say to me, I need eyes in the back of my head for you, boy. You know what she meant by that? You can't see behind you. But that's where God puts your your sin and mine out of sight. As far as the east is from the west, so far doth he remove our transgressions from us. Tell me, dear friend, will you accept the invitation of the gospel? You see, the Lord hates your sin. That's why he paid the punishment and penalty for it in his own body on the tree. Why? He hates your sin, but he loves you, the sinner. Your soul. Your soul that will live as long as God lives. Will this hour see a turning point in your life? I don't know what other orange services have been to, but I pray that this might be a different orange service today for you. There might be a turning point in your life where God invites you to turn. No preacher's cry in the streets of a bygone age used to be, turn or burn. You know, it's the same invitation as Ezekiel, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? 
Christ has died. He's paid the full price. And I therefore close with the exhortation given by Peter in Acts chapter 3. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. That's what true conversion is. That's what biblical Christianity is. That's the Protestant faith man. That's what King Billy believed. And that's why he came to liberate this land and this nation. Will you heed its call? Will you repent and be saved? And you know, you know today it's the right thing to do. That's where we started. Because repentance to salvation is not to be repented of. It's the right thing to do. And if you're saved today, rejoice, brother. Rejoice in what God has done for you. You have a soul out of hell. You'll never be there. But you'll be in the glories of God's heaven. You'll see the one that loved you. And gave himself for you on the cross one day. And you'll say, worthy is the Lamb. The Lord bless his word to our hearts this afternoon. For his own name's sake, we appreciate your attention. I pray the Lord might write his word on each and every heart. We're going to close with singing number 35 in time when the flags will be handed back as well. O Christ in thee my soul hath found and found in thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Let's stand as we sing at number 35.
And Father and our God, we thank Thee for Thy presence. We thank Thee for Thy Word. And, O God, we thank Thee that Christ alone satisfies. And the invitation of the, of the Gospel is extended to all, even this afternoon. And we pray, Lord, that the wicked might forsake their ways and their thoughts, and they might return unto the Lord. We pray, as the Lord, that Thou wilt pardon abundantly, for Thou art a merciful God. Bless the brethren as they take leave, and as they make their way home, go before them, we ask. And may the blessing of the triune God be our portion both now and until Jesus comes. For we pray these things in our Saviour's precious name. Amen. National Anthem, brethren, please.